Amen. Let's just talk to him together right now. Father, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for the power of cleansing us from sin. We thank you for its effective working power that it can take the vilest sinner and make them clean. Lord, not only to make them clean, to go back out in the world again and sin again, but, oh, God, is a power to keep us clean. We thank you for the power of that blood today. We thank you for the hope that we have of that glorious resurrection. Never seed that we have laid into the ground, but we know that is predestined to life will come forth on that resurrection morning. May today, even as we honor the resurrection, may this be a day of that great dawning. Lord, I pray, oh God, it could be a resurrection even from sin and unbelief to the full power of the Word of God. It could be a resurrection, oh God, of all the saints throughout the ages. How we long for that day, Lord. It is, it is our scripture that we are seeing fulfilled in our day as we live out in these rapturing hours. I pray, Lord, that you'll just come today in a mighty way and speak to hearts and lives. Reveal yourself. Lord, let the Shekinah glory just come move in this place. Lord, the Holy Spirit just break out among your people, bringing healing and deliverance, reviving the soul that is cast down and the feeble hands that hang down and cause them to be able to reach up and praise God with all their hearts. Now, Lord, we give this service to you. and We just ask that you would speak, Lord. I ask that you'd minister to hearts and lives. You know, every heart that is here and the burden of that heart and the longing within that soul. And I pray, Lord, that you'll meet that need, Lord, today. May something be said that would just quicken something within them to realize the promise is for me. The Word of God is mine. Oh, there is a, more than a hope. It's a faith. It's a faith in the Almighty God. I ask it in the name of Jesus for your glory. Amen and amen. God bless you. Amen. How good it is to be in the house of the Lord today, and we appreciate Him and His goodness to us. I want to welcome you all in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus, and I just want to say, really was uh, proud of you this week as um, we had an opportunity to meet the community again, and, and um, you know, as um, one person came and wanted to tour the building, he just, he just remarked and said to, to Brother James Wilson, who was kind of giving him a tour around a little bit, and said, uh, you know, there's just something I see about all of you people. There's a glow about you. Amen. So may the Holy Spirit just continue working every life and every heart. Amen. And let's, let us be the evening light Amen. to shine in this time of darkness. It's a dark and evil world, but there's got to be a light here in this end time until he calls us home. I'd like you to turn with me to Ezekiel 36, verse 16. While we're turning there, I do want to say again, I appreciate every effort, every work that went into the event, and it provided so much of time for fellowship, and 
meeting new people and getting a chance just to, um, as I said, meet the community. God bless you for that. Ezekiel 36, verse 16. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. Wherefore, I poured my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land and for their idols wherewith they had polluted it. And I scattered them among the heathen, and they were dispersed through the countries according to their way, and according to their doings I judged them. And when they entered into the, unto the heathen, whither they went, they profaned my holy name, when they said to them, These are the people of the Lord, and are gone forth out of his land. But I had pity for mine holy name, which the house of Israel hath profaned among the heathen whither they went. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, I do this, I do not do this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the heathen whither you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land." Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statues, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. Amen. Amen. What a promise that is. God bless you. You can take your seats. We're going to be speaking about being born in the homeland. We've been speaking on a little series called The People of the Book Has Returned to the Land of the Book. And so today we're going to be speaking about being born in the homeland. And this was God telling Israel who had been dispersed among the nations because, um, because of their idolatry and their sin that had taken them out of the promised land. And of course, you know, we are living in an age and a time where Israel now has returned back to their homeland after 2,000 years. They're being restored back again. But I don't think their restoration is all the restoring that God is doing. But I believe there is also people who are returning to their homeland, which is the Bible. Amen. Amen. The Word of God. And so, and, and he said to them, he said, 
even to Israel, I'm not going to do this because of you. I'm going to do this because of my namesake. Because that my word said this is what I would do. Amen. That I would, I would have a people and they would be in that land and I would bless them. And I believe that God's word, of course, is at stake when we look here into the promises and realize that there must be a fulfillment of every divine promise of God. Every one of them. And we should realize then that every promise of God lays within the promised land. Right in the Bible, the word of God. Just sharing with you a little quotation from possessing all things. He said, Brother Branham, you say, I need healing. He said, the promise is yours. But if you ever get it, you're not going to get it easy. Um, I'm going to tell you that. You're going to have to take it away from Satan. Satan captures your health. You've got a right to go to Satan and say, give it back. Hand it over. I come in the name of the Lord, the possessor of heaven and earth. And I'm his heir. Give it back. This is so reminder of me of Israel going back into their land. They had to take it back from the inhabitants and to claim it as their own. Many times they would have to purchase the land from the Palestinians or, uh, you know, take it by force or whatever way, but give it back. Amen. Because God had promised a restoration. And that's the same way with you and me. We have to have the same attitude toward any divine promise. It is mine, and I'm going to receive that. Amen. Whether it's my healing, whether it's a need for the Holy Spirit in my life, whether it's a need for my children, whatever it is, if if it's, you know, even if it's your marriage, it's worth fighting for. Your children are worth fighting for. The church is worth fighting for. To have the power of God and the salvation and God moving in in our midst, that's worth fighting for. Amen. I'm not talking about fighting with one another, but there is a fight down on your knees where you stand there on the word of promise and claim it for yourself. So you, you see, when Satan captures your health, you got a right to go to Satan and say, give it back, hand it over. And, and he said, um, because here I come in the name of the Lord, the possessor of heavens and earth, and I am his heir, give it back. You took my child. You got her mixed up with the wrong boy. You took my boy, mixed her up with the wrong girl. I claim them. That's right. I claim my children. I claim my brother. I claim my sister. Yes, Satan, you took them from God's house and coaxed them out there, but I'm coming after them. I claim them. Amen. Well, he said, how do you know that? Because I am heir of all things. Amen. It's been given to me. I'm an heir and I claim everything that God gave me. Amen. There you are. It is mine. How do you get it? Something you've done? No, it's the unmerited gift of God. Amen. And, and it's ours. It belongs to us. And Satan cannot hold it. I want you to listen to this. Satan cannot hold it if you go to him in the scriptural authoritative word with faith to say, it is mine, lay it down. Amen. Glory, I like that. Satan, you lay it down. You took it from me. You give it back because I'm serving notice on you. Amen. I've got the notice written right here in the word. This is our claim to healing, deliverance, salvation. 
Amen. He's a, he's a, God is a need supplier. Whatever it is, it is your inheritance and your right. If the devil's taken away the peace at your job, this is your right. This is your inheritance. Amen. Even though we are walking down through this world and rubbing shoulders with the rest of the world, yet God promised to prosper us. God promised to bless us. And he said, I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. And there is a blessing that follows the seed of Abraham, for they are the possessors of all things. Amen. Touch not mine anointed, do my prophets no harm. Because for their sakes, I rebuke kingdoms. Amen. There's a notice relaying right here in the word. So I come with this notice to serve on you that Jesus Christ said, whatever I ask the Father in his name, he'll give it. If I say to this mountain, be moved and don't doubt in my heart, but believe what I said shall come to pass, I can have what I said. So Satan, lay it down. Amen. That gets him started. He said, don't just get him started. gets him running. Amen. Lay it down because I come with the scriptural authority. I am a believer. Now, that's the way that we've got to approach every word of God. I am a believer. Whether you just started out and believed on the Lord and you start right there as a believer and say, then the rest of it's mine. Amen. I can be sanctified from the habits of the world. I can be cleansed from worldliness. I can overcome. Amen. I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. God called me to be a possessor of all things. Amen. What a glorious hour of restoration. God sounded this over and over again. I will restore. And it's truly a restoration. Amen. It's not even a reformation. This is our of restoration. It is not a new gospel. For it's impossible that we surpass the truth that's revealed in the word of God. Amen. Amen. And it's impossible that we surpass the, the truth that was revealed to the apostle Paul who laid out the fundamental pre- uh, precepts of the, of the gospel. This, this book was not sealed to the Apostle Paul. And Paul said in Galatians 1 and 8, though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. You see, the Bible cannot be added unto. Revelation 22 and 18 says, for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add to to these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. It's a dangerous thing to try to add or take away from the word of God. But I say we ought to be able to live what's in it. We ought to have what's in it. Amen. We ought to be able to walk with with what's in it. Listen, we're not preaching an addition to the Bible. But this is restoration back to the beginning. This is not a new book of Acts. This is a continuation of the book of Acts. And in order to have this restoration... The Bible is very clear. Jesus said, a lies truly shall first come and restore all things. 
Now, this was not fulfilled in John the Baptist, although he did come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. But before the coming of the Lord, Elijah must come back for a work of restoration in the church. And it is a fact that the prophet for the last days must be bringing forth a message from God and, and we're, because God will have to have a forerunner for his second coming because he, he follows the same pattern that he always does. If God ever does one thing one way, that's the way he always does it. Amen. It was by blood in the beginning. It's by blood redemption here is in the end. You're not going to be saved without the blood. Is that right? Now, so again, it is a fact that the prophet for the last days must be bringing a message from God that will forerun the, the second coming of the Lord. And by his message, according to Malachi 4, the hearts of the children will be turned back to the Pentecostal fathers. And with the restoration of the word will come the restoration of power. Notice the two goes hand in hand. You can't say you got the word restored without the power restored. Amen. Amen. The Holy Ghost that was given in portion is to be poured out in his fullness. Did everybody hear me clearly? What was given in part comes to perfection. Amen. What, what other ages like Luther received this great revelation of justification by faith? And yet that was a portion. Amen. But what was given in part must come in its perfection. And we're in the hour and the time of restoration where it comes back to its perfection. Now, the Lutherans had the Holy Ghost potentially under justification. The Methodists had it potentially under sanctification. And today it's brought back a restoration. The Holy Ghost is here. This is the hour that we're living in and where God is pouring out his spirit. If I would describe it as the Bible would say, God poured out his spirit and, and he poured out some in Luther and poured out some in Wesley, poured a little more at the Zusa Street, but, uh, but here he empties out himself. It's kenosis, God pouring out his spirit on all flesh. Amen. Are you ready to be that flesh that he pours his spirit out on? Are you ready to open your heart and say, oh God, I want more of you this morning? Now, we, we can type it with the wheat plant because Jesus compared the church with the wheat plant. In Mark 4, 28, for the earth bringing forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the, uh, then the ear, and after, the, after that, the full corn in the ear. So you see, he said, it comes through its stages until it comes to full corn. Amen. Now, don't visualize you know, what we call, what is actually maize, which we call corn here, but it's the wheat, the corn of wheat is what he's talking about. And then, so, you, so again, the exact thing that was planted is the exact thing that is harvested. Amen. The first stage was the planting of the church, but the last stage is the harvest of the church. 
And it goes from grain to stalk to pollen to chaff and then back to grain again. It goes from its stages of not looking like the grain until it comes back and looks exactly like the grain. Now it's all a part of the wheat plant. But you see, the, the chaff stage, that stage where there's a little husk that covers the grain, it's the danger period that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24, 24. Deceiving the very elect if it were possible. Now can you imagine a stage so close until it would deceive the very elect if it were possible for the elect to be deceived. Here they come to this stage of the plant, chaff. It looks so much like the grain, so identical to it, but it's not grain. In there is hidden a little tiny speck. Can't even be seen at first. Maybe if you peeled it back with a microscope, you might, might begin to see it. But it, it is there, you know, it, but it's not the grain. It, it looks like the grain. And we come down to the end time where the end time is so deceiving until the very elect would be deceived if it were possible. Oh my. Now, you see, man felt that this husk, this Pentecostal age was the true seed, but it's proved to be just another carrier of the life. Over into an age where true restoration and the wheat bride is manifested in power. So it's just another stage. But it's so close. Now, I, I'm just going to say, you've got to move on up into the grain. Your experience, wherever you are in Christ, must not remain back in the other the, the other moves are the, the stalk, the tassel, or the shuck. You must become ripened grain. That ought to be the goal of every person. Amen. To match this Bible. Just exactly like the early church matched this Bible. To have the same faith. To believe the same doctrines. To have the same power. I'm talking about a Bible faith, a Bible doctrine, a Bible power, and Bible Christians that matches the Word of God. Amen. Now, you must be ripened grain. The same that there were in the book of Acts, where we have the same life of Christ and the same power. For you to remain in your experience in the stalk, the pollen, the chaff, is to miss the rapture. Listen, nothing, nothing but the grain goes into the garner. Nothing but the grain is going to be taken in the grain elevator. Nothing but the grain is going in the rapture. Now, this is serious. If we realize that we can have, we can have other, uh, other parts where, where uh, moves of God and outpourings of the Spirit, yet without that original outpouring, without having the same thing they had in the book of Acts, you're going to miss the rapture. It's just all there is to it. Now, some of the wheat plant will be left 
that is left behind will be burned. Some was, there's a use for it, for fodder. Let me bring it in perspective. The grain will go in the garner. That's the rapture. At least some of the chaff will be burned, the Bible said, with unquenchable fire. Some of the wheat plant left behind will be gathered for tribulation. And, and there they will miss the millennium. Let me show you. Because in Revelation 20 and verse 5, for the rest of the dead live not until the thousand years was finished. This is the first resurrection. Notice that. They live not till the thousand years. You mean they miss the millennium. Why is it? Because they didn't move on up in their experience to have a book of Acts experience. They didn't come back to be an original grave. They were satisfied to stay where they were when the life was leaving that. And let me tell you, friends, it's going to require a lot more than just believing on the Lord and accepting him as your Savior and shaking hands with a preacher to go in the rapture. You've got to be born again by the Holy Ghost, by a new birth that changes you, where you are radically different, that you're not the same anymore, but you're look on life matches what the word of God says not what the churches are saying not what popular opinion is saying but what God's word is saying amen now in the new heavens and the new earth there's a bride that will be in the, with Christ in the city the rest will be outside the city throughout eternity however there's going to be some left for the burning now, if we would now change our thinking back now from wheat plant to now the conquest of the land and, you know, going into the promised land. You see, to stay on the other side of Jordan and not enter into the land as did many, much of Israel, you know, they came out. Many will start out for Christ. And somehow or another get bogged down in the wilderness journey and never return to the land of the Bible. They just are headed toward it. They're making progression. They're making start. Hey, it's better than Egypt. Amen. But it's not far enough. Amen. It's not the promised land. And to believe on the Lord and accept him by faith is a great step. But you, you must receive his Holy Spirit in your life that changes you, that gives you not just a new heart, not just a new spirit, not just a new outlook on life, not just a new thinking, but it gives you my spirit comes on the inside of you that causes you to keep his statutes. Hallelujah. It's no longer anymore somebody with rules and mandates. Do this and do this and don't dress this way and don't act that way and don't watch that movie and don't feed on this wrong thing. It's no longer somebody legislating righteousness to you. It's holiness on the inside. It's the power of God unto salvation. Amen. So typing it with the conquest of land. To stay on the other side of Jordan 
and not enter into the land into the fullness of the Holy Ghost is to perish in the wilderness. There is no promised inheritance for us in the wilderness. That is not our place. Jesus would say of them, they are everyone dead, eternally lost. You see, the tribes like Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, you know, they, they saw the, the, the land for grazing and, and they liked it on the other side of Jordan. Now, what, do, what does this mean as we're looking at this? You see, Jordan is death to self. And the land is the Holy Ghost. So now, you've got to be placed in the land of the Holy Ghost, which is a Bible land. You've got to come all the way in. But you see, they were happy to stay on the other side. They really didn't want to die to self. They didn't want to die to the world. They didn't want to die to their selfish ambition. They didn't want to die to Laodicea of being rich and increased with goods and have a need of nothing and remain a lukewarm Christian. God wants you more than a lukewarm Christian. He wants people that are on fire for God. And the bride of Christ will not be a lukewarm church. It'll be on fire for God. It'll have a passion for the word. It'll have a desire to serve him that cannot be quenched. You don't just satisfy it with a little church anity. Amen. But all there is a satisfying portion. But these tribes like Reuben... Half the tribe of Manasseh, Gad, remained on the other side. They failed to go all the way. But for the rest, for the rest, the whole land, the entire word of God, with the full power of the Holy Ghost, has been opened to you in this time of restoration. You don't have to remain on the other side of Jordan. You can go all the way into the promised land of the Holy Ghost. You can know it in all his power and all his glory, just as they did in the book of Acts. Amen. But now, remember, we're going to just review again, just briefly, I hope I don't spend a lot of time on this because we've covered it in the past, but I, I don't think we can overemphasize it. But as, as Brother Branham would tell us in, in the third Exodus message, he said, you know, first we've got to review and see why that, that originally they were out of the land. How come they went down to Egypt in the first place? Why would God's people be out of the land? God had promised the land to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. God gave them the land. So then why would the people not be in the place that God provided them. Now that's the question today. God gave us Pentecost. Now I'm not talking about Azusa. I'm talking about the original. God gave us the original. He gave us the pattern. Come on. He gave us the original inoculation for sin. And when you see Christians that are dying spiritually... Homes are falling apart and they just can't live overcoming lives. You realize they have not taken the prescription for sin. 
You say, what is that prescription? Well, the druggist, the, the doctor Simon Peter gave it on the day of Pentecost. Repent, every one of you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But what have we done today? We have, we have tampered with the, with the prescription. We have weakened it down with church joining and a handshake. We have weakened it down with just a mental profession of faith. And I want you to know that even though we, we must profess it with our mouth and we must, we must say the Lord is our Savior, but that is only the beginning. You must be filled with His Spirit. Amen. And that comes not when you believe, but after you believe. Amen. Now, that's the question of the day. God gave us Pentecost. He gave us the book of Acts. He gave us the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. He gave us a land. And why are we out of it? Out of it. Why is the church out of it? Why isn't the great Christian church living again like the book of Acts, bringing forth the same thing? There's some reason for it. Now, you see, the reason they were down there was because of a jealousy toward a brother. Joseph was a spiritual boy whom God talked to and gave visions and dreams. Right? Amen. And they resented that. And they didn't want it. And they got to the point they thought, we don't need the supernatural. We're the seed of Abraham. We don't need this boy. And so what did they do? They, they sold him down to Egypt. Now this would cause uh, uh, the great famine to come in the land and them all to wind up moving down to Egypt out of the promised land. And every time we move away from the supernatural to an intellectual gospel, Amen. It moves you out of God's promised land and you cannot be blessed outside of the promised land. Amen. Are you with me now? Now, so you see, they thought they would never need. They would never have use for the Holy Spirit. They thought, you know, psychology would replace it. They thought just human reasoning and, you know, good, good teaching would replace, you know, some theology. We'll, we'll teach you the do's and the don'ts. And, and, you know, there is a proper place for teaching the Word of God. We're not, we're not denying that the Word of God needs to be taught. But you see, it, you must have not just the external teacher of a preacher or parent or, or, or friend or a husband or wife telling you this is wrong or that wrong. It's got to be the teacher on the inside of you. Amen. Because the pastor can't go with you everywhere. Amen. The, the, the church can't go with you. There's going to be places church won't be. Amen. The, the people that you associate with, you go to church with and here. We, we have uh, Christians with so-called having behavior that is different outside of the church than what's inside of the church. And the reason is they don't have the teacher on the inside of them. Amen. Amen. So you see them dressing, 
wearing things out there that they would never wear to the church. Come on. They'd never wear, oh, but when they go out to, in their work or, you know, when they go out and, and, you know, away from everybody and out of sight, here they are, they're a different person. Now, you see, you see again, it's because they lack the inside teacher to go with them. Because he will convince you of sin. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He will lead and guide you into all truth. And he will convince you of sin. He can tell, he'll tell you that's wrong. Amen. Now, but anyway, you know, we've had, we've had a time even somewhat among the, the movement, you know, trying to shun the era of Azusa Street movement who went to seed on emotion. And doing so, the, the pendulum, you know, swings back the other way. And, they, and, and when swinging back to the other side, then they lend themselves to an intellectual conception and a dry-eyed confession. You see, Satan, he'll, he can, he'll push you way over here to where you just jump, you just jump and shout and dance and then don't live right. Or he'll push you over here on the other side where you just, uh, you know, intellectually believe it and then try to deal with your symptoms of sin and you can't live right. But God wants you to walk right in the middle of the road, in the way. We'll speak on that a little more later, but I want to get this to you. The pendulum, the pendulum for many years has swung back to the other side where men have lent themselves to an intellectual confession and, and just accepting a doctrine. And by the accepting of doctrine, then that becomes a sign you're filled with the Holy Ghost. And we become ashamed of anything that we read of the Bible, we, we get ashamed of how they acted in the book of Acts. And we don't want them drunk in the spirit like there was in Acts 2. Amen. We don't want them speaking in tongues. We don't want them shouting. Are you with me? Amen. We, we, we don't want altar calls. We don't want prayer lines anymore. And in doing so, the supernatural becomes set aside for a cold profession of faith. To the point there's no dying out to sin. And psychology would soon replace the Holy Spirit for behavioral problems. You know, the churches went that way for years. We need some psychology here. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to have some men's meetings here. And we're going to have, um, you know, uh, you sign a pledge that you're going to be true to your wife. And everybody's going to sign a card, promise keepers. And, you know, we're going to talk about the hurt and the harm of, of infidelity, that, that infidelity and pornography and unfaithfulness brings to marriage and what good men should be. And then we're going to have you sign a pledge that you will be true to your marriage and commit yourself to the Lord and to your wife. And so everybody becomes a promise keeper. 
And the promise, the promise, the promise lasts as long as until you meet that blonde at work. The promise lasts as long until a little problem comes up in the marriage. The problem, you know, the, 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 it, it lasts, or the, the promise lasts just long enough. You know, where you need another uh, session again. To remind you of why you should stay married, why you should live a holy life. You see, psychology is not the answer. Oh, well, to overcome my pornography problem, well, I'll tell you what I do. I remember the pain that it brings me. I remember the pain it causes my wife and my family and the shame and the guilty feeling. And I associate that with the problem. And so that's how I keep away from pornography. Why don't you get born again? Why don't you get a nature change? Why don't you get a sin cure? Why don't you get something on the inside that changes your heart? Amen. Makes a new creature out of you and causes you to live right. Amen. That has the power of salvation in it. And we turn the gospel into a powerless religion. And so we're constantly treating the symptoms of sin rather than dealing with the root cause of sin. Sin nature. The church age book, I'd like to Share this little quote. You know, there's been some awful cold drafts blowing. And don't you think we hadn't been affected by it? Laodicea, Laodicea, the the Bible said, is blind. And that blindness requires an an eye salve. Now, Brother Branham would talk about this himself. He said, you know, my mama, when we were were kids, we lived in an old clapboard house and there was, um, you know, you could see the stars from the ceiling. We had to sleep in the attic. And there was a big, fur, um, big uh, uh, covers that you put over us and a tarp to keep the snow and whatever else. But he said, you know, that cold draft in there sometimes would get matter in our eyes. Mama had a cure for that. You know, there was coon grease. And she, you know, you, when you woke up early in the morning, he said, Mama... We can't see. Our eyes are all matted up. Well, just a minute, honey. said, I got some coon grease that is warming on the stove. And she'd run up the ladder there and, and massage that coon grease in the, in the eyelashes and work that matter out. And after a bit, they could see. And this is what he said. You know, there's been some awful cold drafts blowing on the church in this generation. And I'm afraid her eyes have sort of frozen shut. And she's blind to what God has for her. She needs some hot oil of the Spirit of God to open her eyes. And unless she receives the Spirit of God, she will go on substituting programs for power and creed for word. And she counts numbers for success rather than look for fruit. Mm. The doctors of theology have shut the door to faith and forbade all to enter. They neither go in, neither will they let anyone else go in. Their theology comes out of a textbook on psychology written by some unbeliever. 
There is a textbook on psychology, one that we all need. That's the Bible. It's written by God and contains God's psychology. And you don't need any doctor to explain it to you. Receive the Holy Spirit and let him do the explaining. He wrote the book and he can tell you what's in it and what it means. Brother, I tell you, that's what we need today. Amen. Get away from the, the psychology of the past and the easy believers of you just embrace a little doctrine. You say, well, I, I, I grew up in this and I, I believe I'm a Christian because my parents were a Christian. You've got to be born again to be a child of God. You see, this has been the sin of the past 50 years. The trend away from the power of God has caused the church to become like a nest full of rotten eggs. You know, as a farm boy myself, we used to set hens. And, and you know, you put there under that hen, but we knew there was not a rooster in that, in that hen house. I don't care how faithful that hen was, how great an atmosphere she produced. How faithful she was to sit on those eggs and turn them ever so many hours and get off and almost starve herself to death. No matter how faithful she was, it never produced nothing but rotten eggs. And I'm just going to tell you, friends, as long as the mate Christ, the supernatural power of God is not in the church. Amen. We're just going to have a bunch of rotten eggs. Amen. When it comes down to it, it only just causes a big stake when you discover what they are. Well, brother, we've had churches whose deacons now, you let me talk about deacons for a minute. You know, deacons, deacons are selected out of the best spiritual men of the church. They mean they are example Christians. That's what they are required to be, example Christians. So, well, a deacon should be. No, a Christian should be. So, deacons are chosen out of Christians who meet this criteria. They must be the husband of one wife. They must not be a, you know, um, a lover of greedy lucre or greedy, uh, filthy lucre. They, they must, uh, you know, all, all, the, all the different things. They've got to have a good report from without. In other words, in their community, they can't be known as a liar and a thief and You know, it's a shame when today churches that all they can do is find somebody who's been married two or three times in order to serve. It's a shame that that's the best. Amen. The Bible said there to be the husband of one wife. This is the Bible. But of course, we put the Bible away because we don't need it no more. We're the church. So you see, the deacons are, are to be selected from the best example Christians of a church. And we, we have seen it where churches where the whole board walks out. Without, without, except for one or two and goes right back into the world again. Right back into sin again. And we're preachers who have stood in the pulpit and, and preached the message of Christ. And, and, and then turn their back on Christ and walk out. Living a life of sin 
denying the very blood that bought them, and rejected the very message of the hour, and go right back to the world. We've seen it where esteem the song leaders and trustees do the same and become disbelievers of the sign. And our experience, and let me just say it, our experiment that we have had of, you know, growing into token life or growing into the Holy Ghost, it hasn't worked. It didn't work and it won't work. Amen. No, sir. Some thought they could outgrow, you know, pain and and, and what the Bible says about hair. Oh, just let them grow a little bit and, and, and they'll, they'll change. No, they could never outgrow it. It isn't something you outgrow. It's a change on the inside. Where when you are changed on the inside, you see the Bible teaches something. Then you conform to what the Word of God says without argument. Amen. Paul said about it, it's without contention. This is not even a matter to be contended or argued about. It's just the way the church does. This is the way any Christian lives. Amen. But some thought, you know, they could outgrow it, but they couldn't. And they don't. Amen. You know, they, instead, you know, what they want to do is they've taken a substitution for the new birth. They want it in class. So it's got to be just so classy. You know, we'll shake hands and join the church or be sprinkled. Now, let me just share with you something that William Branham said to his own church. He said, the reason people go and join organizations and substitute a handshake instead of the new birth, they're trying to bypass the new birth. They don't want the new birth. They know we teach it in the Bible, so they want to substitute something for it. And the Pentecostal people are just as bad trying to substitute something. They want it in class. It must be so classy. We'll shake hands and join the church or be sprinkled or baptized or something. They're afraid of the new birth. I sometimes believe the Branham Tabernacle is getting afraid of it. Now we know, all know that a birth, I don't care where it is. Or where whereabouts, it's a mess. If a baby's born on a shut pile or a hard floor or in a pink decorated hospital room, it is a mess anyhow. A birth of a calf, a birth of anything is a mess. And the new birth is nothing less than a mess. But people get so starchy. Well, we'll go over where they shake hands or we'll go over where they don't bawl and cry and beat on the altar and cry out. We want to be, you want to be too human. What we need is a birth, a dying out to bring forth life. Amen. You know, here's the problem a lot of times with repentance. People are sorry because of the consequences and pain that sin caused, but they're really not sorry for the sin. You know, they wish they could do this and it didn't hurt. Amen. But you see, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's a seed potato you put down in the ground, you take that potato, put it in the ground, until you can have a new potato, that old potato's got to rot. A corn cannot produce a new life until the seed rots and puts forth forth the shoot, right? 
Amen. A man or a woman can never have a new birth until their intellectuals and their own self is rotten, dead, and die out at an altar and scream and get all messed up. Amen. To a place of starch gets out of your collar. Hallelujah. I don't care, he said, if you squall, speak in tongues, jump up and down, flop like a chicken with his head off, well, you are bringing forth new life. But we have substituted something for it. We want the classical way. Amen. You know, again, he would liken it to some of these women today who are career women and don't want children. They don't want to be bothered with, with the child. They don't want to be disfigured by carrying forth life. They, want, they, they don't want a, a child nursing from the breast. So, so again, you know, they don't want to bring forth children. And, and he would say it's a true picture of or a perfect example, in other words, of a modern church today. Neither does a modern church want any of these here screaming, shouting, tongue speaking, Acts 2.38 youngins around her. Yeah, yeah, she don't want any of them whooping and crying and screaming, amen, hallelujah. While such a child would immediately put her out of her denomination. They had one like that in their churches. Why they tore her out right quick? Why are they letting such stuff as this go on? You see, but she's pregnated with something. Because she's bringing forth members all the time. But she don't want any of them, none of them screaming, hollering, blabbering, Acts 2.38, screaming, miserable creatures that she thinks they are. It would embarrass her. Mm. It would ruin her in her educated, ethical, scientific society church that she belonged to here. They would throw her out at the next council. She can't have it. So she don't want to be pregnated with the word because that's the only kind that the word can bring forth. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll tell you, church, it's time for many to have an Acts 2 experience, to come to know God in a real personal way where sin is dead as midnight and you're born again of the Spirit and your life is changed. Amen. That old temper, you bring it down here and crucify it. Oh, you say, well, I've spoken tongues and I still got it. Well, you need to crucify that. I ain't caring about your tongues. I want you to crucify that sin. Amen. Get rid of that sin nature that you were born with. Amen. You say, well, I'll tell you, Brother Tim, this habit there, you know, I'm just born high passion. Well, bring that passion down to the altar and die to sin. Amen. Die to it and be born again. Get the life of Christ in you that brings a power within you to control. Ill-tempered and mean and contrary and who on the verge of cussing you out on any moment. Well, they may not do it, but it's right there. It's right there. Where's that coming from? Get it out. Deal with the thing. Cross Jordan. Death to self. Get over into the land. 
You say, well, Brother Tim, you mean I won't have a temper no more? No, you'll have, you'll have a temper, but it'll be controlled. There will be a power there that brings it in check. You mean I won't have a passion no more? Oh, yeah, it'll be there, but it'll be a control. It'll give you a power there to turn sin down. Make the right kind of choices in life. Amen. Oh, my, but she don't want to be pregnated with the word because that's the only kind the word can bring forth. Say, Brother Tim, that's too strict and too hard to live. I, I can't live that. You're right. Let me tell you a little secret. Only Christ can live the Christian life. I can't live it. You can't live it. None of us in this building can live a Christian life. We can't do it. It is impossible. Only Christ can live a Christian life. But if you can ever get Christ on the inside of you, he will live his own life out through you. But you see, the Bible said in the last days, they would be this way. They would deny the power thereof. Now, some would go as far as to believe what God could heal. They just believe God can't deliver them. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about spiritual healing right here. Are you with me? But you see, there has to, the only kind the word can bring forth is those that are born of the spirit, has the spirit of God in it, no intellectual church joined creed going bobbed hair painted face. There's no such a thing as that at all in it. You don't find that in the word of God. You find an old-fashioned, sanctified, Holy Ghost, filled child of God, born of the Spirit of God, screaming, hollering, shouting, praising God. Amen. And all of that ain't done with the lips. A lot of that's done with your life. It screams out to the world, there's something different about that man. There's something different about that woman. There's something different about that young person in school there. I'm just going to say, you're a young person in school. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Say, they persecute me. Well, expect it. So they did your Lord. All that live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. But remember, they were down in Egypt because they thought these brothers did. They would never have use for a man like Joseph. So why not just get rid of him? And that's the same thing. They think that because our churches has become intellectual. And we've got the best dress crowds. And the biggest organization and the smartest ministers. That we have no use for the Holy Spirit the way they had it back there. That they are full, in other words. You know, that happens a lot of times in, in church. People just want so much religion, just so much. They get so full so quickly. And we've got to keep them entertained. And you know, if the word is being preached and the preacher ain't entertaining enough, you get bored with it. Because, because that you don't think you'll ever have need for the supernatural. 
And the church has become intellectual. We got the best dressed crowds, the biggest organization, the smartest ministers. We have no use for the Holy Spirit like they had back there. That they're full. In other words, their actions speak louder than words. Now, they may not say this, but their actions. Amen. Your actions can speak louder than your words. Amen. You know, again, they, they get to the point. They're like a little jug, and they can only hold so much. They only got very little capacity for the word. And once they've done their religion for the week, they're through. Yeah. We don't even need to come on Wednesday night. We don't need to, you know, we, we don't need to participate. We're, we're full, in other words. And they're seminaries. The brain of their being, they're coming together, discussing things, are more able with their intellectual minds to set a church in order better than what the Holy Spirit could do it. So they don't need it any longer. It's something we don't need today. It's days of its past. So we don't need the Holy Spirit to heal the sick. We got doctors. Now, first of all, I want to say we're thankful for doctors. And we're not against doctors. And God uses doctors. So we, we, we're not one that says, oh, no, don't, don't, don't go to a doctor. God will use medicine. But doctors can't heal. Only God can heal. Amen. Medicine can't heal. It's off the tree of knowledge. And you really have to use it prayerfully. Literally prayerfully. Amen. Because, you know, today, friends, we, we got to the point we got to the point, you don't have to be a dopehead. Sorry for going this way for a minute. But you don't have to be a dopehead that's getting your drugs from somebody peddling down here at the 7-Eleven or on the street corner or on a back alley. You don't have to be a dopehead like that. All you have to do is be strung out on prescription medicines till it, till it takes you out of your mind. Till it even changes your nature and your way. Amen. Listen, church, there is a balm in Gilead. There is a physician here. There is a healer for disease. Amen. There is an opium beside what they got out there. There is a peace lily. Hallelujah. That there is a medicine comes out of Christ. Hallelujah, that will deal with your pain, that will deal with your suffering. For he was wounded for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquity. Amen. We don't have to be strung out on their uppers or their downers or their insane medicine. Amen. No, no. But, well, they say we don't need the Holy Spirit to heal the sick. I'll tell you, we need him more than ever. So they say we don't need the Holy Spirit to speak with tongues. So, well, Brother Tim, why why speaking in tongues when that which is perfect has come, that all that's in part is done away with? That's right. When that which is perfect has come, and today we have by divine interpretation the perfect word of God. Amen. The amen of God. The final say. We're right here at the end time age. Is somebody with me now? Amen. So yes, we do have that which is perfect has come. 
in the, as far as the perfect word. So the time of just having a part is done away with. And you can't have the fullness and leave a part out. So you're claiming to have the fullness and you don't believe in speaking in tongues no more? Well, it's in the Bible. You say, well, we don't do that no more. Paul said, I would that you all spoke with tongues. Amen. It's in the Bible. So then why would we, why would we forbid? He said, forbid not speaking in tongues. Forbid not prophesying. This is Bible. But we don't need it anymore. Well, in order to be a book of Acts church, that's got to be in the body. Amen. Now, that don't, that don't, uh, these signs shall follow them that believe. That must be in the body. That don't, in, in that sense, don't mean everybody has a prayer line ministry and everybody, everybody uh, you know, cast out devils in that, in that way. But every one of you that is a Christian today have cast out devils. Every time you have cast down sin, you have cast out a devil. Every time you have believed God for healing, you have cast out a devil. Jesus never did say to a, to, to, to a person who was sick and, and talk about their sickness, he addressed the root of it and said, thou evil spirit, come out of the man. Amen. So divine healing is casting out devils. Now, well, but we don't need that. We're intelligent people. And when you do that, you take away from your framework, the lifeline. Jesus said to them Jews in his day, haven't you read that the stone that was rejected is the chief cornerstone that all the building is set upon? So, so again, you see, they rejected the chief cornerstone. And, and today people are rejecting the very thing that will Get them ready for a rapture. Amen. 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 Now, so the stone that was rejected has got to become the head of the corner. And the stone that the people are refusing today, Christianity is refusing today, must be the stone that we build our faith upon. Now, the rock... The church is built upon is the revelation of Christ personally to you. Not a revelation of God sent a prophet. Not a revelation of serpent seed or predestination or how to be baptized. No. No, Not a revelation of the seals. But that Christ has made himself known personally to you. And when you know Christ and are built on that rock. There is no soothsayer. There is no debater. There is no intelligent person that comes along with a higher IQ than you that can ever out-argue you or out-debate you. They may be able to physically do it, but they can never take away your foundation because you can say, but I met Christ. Amen. Christ in you makes him the center of the life of the revelation. Christ's life in you makes him the center of the revelation. And so Christ has to be the center of your revelation. 
And if Jesus isn't the center of what you believe, you are not set along the rock. You're on shifting sands because the moment somebody else with a better argument comes along, away you'll be swept. Now, Christ's life in you makes him the center of the revelation. Christ in the Bible makes the Bible this complete revelation of Christ. And that's what it is. Everywhere you look, you see Jesus. You see Christ. Amen? Everything from the beginning, in the beginning God, all the way to the end. Behold, I come quickly. It's Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus all the way. So Christ's life in you makes him the center of the revelation. Christ in the Bible makes the Bible a complete revelation of Christ. Christ in you makes you the complete revelation of the whole thing. So when Christ comes into you, then you become the complete revelation. You begin to realize, why did he come for me? Why did he die for me? Why is he coming back for me? Why did he make the world for me? How come he's got a heaven to go to for me? Amen. Christ in you makes you the complete revelation of the whole thing. And so this book becomes your personal property. This becomes God's word to you. Hallelujah. It is your thus saith the Lord. Now, if Christ is not the center of your revelation, then your revelation is wrong. So what is the new birth then? And this would, this would be something that, that Brother Brandon would share. What's the new birth? It's the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. What is the new birth? A personal revelation of Christ. Not, not your, your mom and daddy believe this. Not we are Christian because we're Americans. Not because it's the best thing that I know of. But it's the revelation of Christ, Jesus Christ personally to you. That's what the new birth is. It's when Christ reveals himself to you. Well, no wonder you get happy. No wonder you shout. Amen. No wonder you, 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 you magnify the Lord. Come on. Because it becomes a personal revelation to you. Now, so again, that's what the new birth is. It's a revelation of Christ. Not personally to you. Not that you, you, you joined a church. Not that you said a creed. Not that you promised to live by code of rules. But that Christ, the Bible, and he is the word, is revealed to you. And no matter what anybody else says, or what takes place, it's Christ. Amen. A pastor, priest, whatever it might be, it's Christ in you. That's the revelation that the church was built on. Well, you say, I'm Lutheran, I'm Baptist, I'm, I'm Presbyterian. That don't mean that to God. Amen. None of them are in the Bible. Did you hear me? None of them are in the Bible. None of them, their names are not here. Is that right? Amen. God never ordained one, He never made an organization. He never made one denomination. And besides all of that, the denomination didn't believe and die for you. 
It didn't go to Calvary for you. Amen. Your faith cannot be in a church. Even Evening Light Tabernacle did not die for you. I did not die for you. Amen. She died for you. And your faith has got to be based on I met him personally. And he changed me. Because there are many that met him who didn't get changed by him. But when you meet him in this way, your life will be changed by him. Hallelujah. You talk about a new heart and a new spirit in his spirit. That's what happens. Amen. When he takes that old stony heart out. When he takes that old, that old spirit of yours and replaces it with a new spirit, a new thinking. Well, I used to didn't believe the Bible was right. Well, now I do. What happened? He gave you a new spirit. Amen. He gave you a new desire. I want to do right. Amen. But he's not through with you. He wants to come and give you his spirit. And when you get his spirit, it will cause you to walk in his statutes and judgments and do them. In other words, his spirit causes you to obey his word. Amen. Now, so you, you see, what is this? Christ being revealed... And he is the word, and when Christ is revealed, it expresses itself. That was God's purpose for Jesus Christ, was express himself, to take his own laws, live by his laws, fulfill his laws by death. And Christ, God died in the flesh in order to condemn sin in the flesh, that he might bring to himself a glorious bride. Redeemed back that will believe only in the word of God and will not swap it like Eve did. For intellectual conceptions are reasonings of man. Now that's Christ's idea. That's what he wants. That's God's idea. Now God's idea of conversion is not give somebody a code of rules. Okay, in our church we don't do this and we don't do that and we don't do this and we can do this but we can't do that. That's not God's idea of conversion. You see, all the law does, even for you young people, it is, uh, it's your schoolmaster, it's your, it's your guard over you to bring you to Christ. What we're we trying to do to some of you young people by saying, look, don't go into those places on your phone. Don't look into that on the internet. Don't, don't, don't be tempted out here with all of these other. And, and we're saying, now don't do this. And don't, all we're doing is we're trying to keep you from being so scarred and wounded and injured until Christ can come in and you keep rebelling and, and straining against the rules and you know the do's and the don'ts and why is it well I tell you when you get the Holy Ghost it will no longer be do's and don'ts it will be an inward nature that wants to live right and holy Amen. That wants to talk right and look at right and will say I'll put no evil thing before mine eyes 
So, you know, God even gives tutors and parents and, and pastors and preachers and deacons and, and your, your fellow brothers and sisters to try to, to try to protect you. That was what the law, it was a schoolmaster. It was to bring, it was to keep them until Christ came. So it would teach things like um, against fornication and against idolatry and that, that there's one Lord. And it would teach things of being true to your wife or husband. And you know why? There had to be a virgin. There had to be a virgin that would conceive. And he ain't going to find out about the heathen who have no, who have no rules of morals. A man who's, who where the, where the kids are taught, you know, in their worship to uh, fornication. Or there's somebody with me. In idolatry, in idolatry, that was, that was one of their gods. And so God would keep Israel under a schoolmaster, under the law, until Christ came. Say, so, well, I'm sorry, them silly little rules. If you can't eat this and you can't eat that. Why did they do that? Well, God wanted to keep them a separate nation. Yeah. Right. Amen. Right. He wanted to keep them from, from the influence of the world out there. That's why God gave them that Old Testament there was to keep them until Christ came. But when Christ comes, it's no longer rules and regulations. And to you that have received the Holy Ghost, it ain't rules. It ain't regulations. It ain't, I can't do this. You can, you can smoke all you want to. You can drink all you want. You can have as many wives as you want to. The thing about it, your nature is changed and you don't want that. You want whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is decent, whatever is pure and kind. That's what you want. Because why? He changed me. So if you find yourself straining against the rules, you need to get into the land. You need to get in the Holy Ghost. Because there, when his yoke comes, it's not grievous. It's not difficult. It's not hard. It's easy. His yoke is easy. His burden's light. Now, but when a man says he is born again and tries to place the promises of Christ in this last day to some other age, making him Christ yesterday but not today, then that man or that person has been in a delusion of Satan. And if that man says he believes that and it doesn't manifest himself. Now, there's a lot of people saying, yeah, I believe God can. But there's no manifestation. There's a lot of churches that, yeah, we believe, in, we, we believe in, in miracles. We believe in divine healing, but there's no manifestation. You see, they're making, yeah, I believe it. They, they're giving lip service to it. But if it ain't manifesting itself in the body, the faith, the belief there isn't right. Are you with me? And if a man said he believes that, and it doesn't manifest itself through him. Jesus said in Mark 16, these signs shall follow them that believe. In all the world, to every age, casting out devils, speaking with tongues, all these great manifestations of gifts that would follow, they shall not, they may be, 
or they ought to, but they will. And heavens and earth will pass away, but his word won't. Hallelujah. That's why I can rejoice, church, when we can see the Holy Spirit sweep through our assembly. Amen. Somebody the other day from Belgium wrote me and asked me for a testimony of Sister Lana and, and, the, and the two scans there of, of cancer and no cancer. Amen. And I, and I just happened up on, on, the, on the little video on YouTube of that day, just a little excerpt of me preaching, saying, God is doing some extreme things. Bringing a people back to Bible faith, of Bible truth. Hallelujah. God is producing Bible healing. Hallelujah. And as we begin to lead and worship, and that word began, had fallen into a heart, and then it changed there in that song, leaning on the everlasting arm. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Amen. I've got perfect peace with my Lord so near. Amen. And that revelation struck her heart that God was doing extreme things. And she ran around this building shouting the glory of God and went back to the doctor with a clear scan. Hallelujah. Why? Because God still reigns. Because God is still a healer. That was her singing this morning to the glory of God. But the litmus test of our belief in the word is these signs shall follow them that believe. Amen. This is a litmus test. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. You see, what it is is Christ expressing himself in the individual. Amen. Well, you see, now it doesn't matter if he's intellectual. Some of us are real smart, and some of us are on the other end of the totem pole. And a few of us are just kind of mediocre in the middle. And you know, so you know, but it doesn't depend upon our intellectual abilities. Neither does it depend on how stupid we are. You know, because only the dumb can believe this. The, 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 you know, having a little bit of, uh, well, they're handicapped in mind. Only they can believe this. But no, it's Christ expressing himself. No matter what your IQ is. Amen. So somebody who don't know their ABCs, and that just because they don't know them don't mean they're stupid. Amen. No, they can be very smart and intelligent in other ways. Uh, exactly. You know, some, some people have some learning disabilities. I don't mean they're stupid. They can be very smart and intelligent in many other ways. But, you know, for half of the disciples, they couldn't even read or write. Amen. About the only one that was, we can find that was really scholarly was Paul. Amen. And he had to die to everything that he knew in order to win Christ. And he said it this way, I count what I knew before as dung so I could win Christ. So if you're a smart man can be saved if he's willing to lay down his big ideas and 
his lofty education and humble himself down and believe what God said. And I've seen a lot of others that are on the other end of the scale. And they become so super spiritual, you know. Everything, you can't tell them nothing. Because they're so, they're so super spiritual. They're thinking, God only talks to me. And many times you wonder exactly when did God die and leave them in charge. But you see, half of the, half of the disciples didn't know Christ in a, just in a, uh, by, by education. They wasn't educated is what I'm trying to say. But they knew Christ. They would say about Peter and John and them and said, you know, we, we see these are ignorant and unlearned. But we know one thing, they've been with Jesus. And that's the whole thing. I don't care if you're learned and not ignorant. You've got to bend with Jesus. And if you're ignorant and unlearned, same thing. You've got to know you've been with Jesus. It doesn't matter. That's the whole crux of the whole thing. Have you been in his presence? Has that presence changed you? Hallelujah. Answer your phone and tell them glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Is Jesus calling? Wake up. They said, take heed. Notice they've been with Christ. What? When they saw the lame man at the gate healed, they knew they had been with Jesus. And the new birth is Christ is a revelation God has revealed to you this great mystery. And that's a new birth. Now, what is that great mystery? Well, Brother Tim, I understand the mystery of the seven seals and the thunders and, oh, we got, well, then how come you're not living right? How come you still hate your neighbor? How come you can't even come to church? You know, you, you know everything, then how come? Well, I've got a revelation. Listen, that revelation ain't the one we're talking about. The revelation you've got to have, this great mystery, is the mystery of Christ personally revealed to you. And that's the new birth. Amen. Where that God then expresses his word through you, the same actions, the same things he did, making his word manifest. Oh, my, then, oh, if the church only knew their position. Oh, it will one day, and the rapture will go when she knows what it is. But you see, the church, depending on their fine intellect, well, we don't need this in the Bible. Well, the reason why they think they don't need it is because they don't have it. So we got to make excuses as to why we don't have it. And the reason why, well, those days are past. Well, it wasn't the other day when Sister Lana was healed. It wasn't the other day when my wife with a brain bleed was healed. It wasn't the other day when, when little Drew walked for his first time, when the Holy Spirit swept through the room, and a child 18 months who had never been able to walk or crawl got up out of the middle of the floor and ran all over. And at the same time, the blindness caused by the stroke on my wife went away. And she was healed and could see again. It wasn't like that the other day. I don't know when it happened that the days of miracles was passed, but it wasn't today because I'm a miracle. And I see a lot more miracles out here. 
So it's not today. I don't know. It might be where you come from, but here in this word, in this promised land, he still heals the sick. He still casts out devils. He still speaks in other tongues. He's still God. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what he's here in the Bible. And that's what he's got to be in the church. That the church matches the book because they are the people of the book. Hallelujah. That's what you ought to look for today. Oh, God, bring my life to match the book. We're here to be born of the Holy Spirit. Amen. To be immersed in Christ. To be a people we can't get enough of it. Oh, but today, we don't need speakers in tongues. We don't need interpreters in tongues. We don't need Old Testament prophets set us in order by the Holy Spirit. We understand it. They've adopted a man-made system. Therefore, the people that's elected, that has their names on the Lamb's Book of Life, they can't go for that. They are spiritual-minded and can't go for that. They can't stand it. No matter what their fathers and mothers was lived in, whatever organizational church, when a church makes, does, maybe it wouldn't speak it right out. No, they won't speak it right out, but their actions prove it. Here is the word, and the Holy Spirit proves it among those when he can get them gathered together that he still heals the sick, raises the dead, speaks with tongues, casts out devils, So it depends on what's on the inside of a person. Because when you're born of God, you can believe God's word. Amen. But now those who only have a profession of faith and they lack the Holy Ghost, we can liken them unto a child in a family. A child... Born into a family is potentially an heir, but doesn't participate in the inheritance. So, you know, a a newborn, you don't just go over there and hand him the car keys and say, son, go to work. No, he's got to grow up into that responsibility. He's got to come to full term. Now, again, you know, the, uh, the Bible tells you in Galatians that a child when like that differs nothing from a servant. You see, though potentially he's Lord of all. You know, there's a potential. You have a child that's born into, um, let's let's just say they're born into the the house of the kings of England. And this child is the firstborn. Well, he can't rule as a king just because he was born. He's got to grow into that position. Right? And one day... As, as it permits, as time goes on, they are awarded that position. Now, that, that's what we're talking about, the infancy, the beginnings of faith. When you believe on the Lord and, and you say, well, I'm born again. Well, in that sense, you know, you made your start by believing. But you haven't come to full term yet. Amen. You cannot be trusted with the kingdom. Are you with me now? 
Amen. So potentially you're, the, the, the child, he said, would be Lord of all. And this is what we're talking about. Then Paul would call it, he would call it in Galatians, the adoption of sons. And that would be when a mature young man of about 30 years old would reach a certain level of maturity. And then he would be given a ceremony. Because after he passed certain tests, proved to be a responsible son, and showed he would be given participation in the inheritance. Are you with me now? So again, again, you know, that's what we're talking about. This participation is, they would call this adoption. A father would adopt his own son into the business, into the family business. Now then, whatever he hired, well, the son hired, the father hired. The father stood behind whatever the son did. If whatever he wrote out a check for, father stands behind it. Is that right? Amen. Because he gives him a robe, a ring, and authority. Amen. Now, friends, when you believe on the Lord and you start out your journey, yes, that is a work of the Holy Spirit. And that is great, but God wants to do more for you. He wants to place you as a son. And that's what we're talking about. The Holy Ghost is when you receive the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption that makes you recognize who you are as a child of God. Amen. That you're a son with full authority, with a ceremony, with a robe, with a ring, and with a position. Amen. You are to show your proof that you are a son of God. You're an adopted son. Amen. And as an adopted son, remember the child differs nothing from a servant, though he's Lord of all. But as as an adopted son, you're no longer a servant. Amen. You're a son, a full-fledged son. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, you are a full-fledged son or daughter of God. Amen. Fully equipped, full power, the robe of authority, the rings on your finger, and check sign in authority. Ask the Father anything in my name, and I will do it. Hallelujah. That's what we're talking about, a people full of the Holy Ghost. That's exactly the way Peter, James, and John was. Amen. They didn't have 40 years of growing and 50 years of growing. They got the Holy Ghost and they had power. They walked right out of there of the upper room and walked right and said, silver and gold have I none. But I got something. Oh, is there a church that can say, I got something. Amen. It's worth worth more than silver or gold. But what I've got, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Hallelujah. Oh, but the greatest miracle there is is a miracle of salvation. Amen. And we we can't give the Holy Ghost unless we got the Holy Ghost. Somebody help me preach. Amen. Oh, yeah. Amen. Whatever we bind on earth, he binds in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth, we loose. he looses in heaven. Amen. We have the power of binding and loosing. Are you with me? This is Bible. Amen. We have, God. We have the power to impart eternal life. 
Say, well, now you went on a limb. Brother Tim, you can impart to me uh, eternal life in the Holy Ghost? Yes, I can. I'll tell you how I do it. I do it just like Simon Peter did. Repent, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to them that are far off and as many as the Lord our God shall call. What are we doing? Imparting eternal life. Hallelujah. And as a full son, you are to show your token, which means your authority. Your badge of authority, dressed in your robe. Walk out in the power of the Holy Ghost. Show the devil your ring. He gave this to me. Now you remember a ring and that day was a signet. It was dipped over in the ink and stamped on the paper. It was the official signature. Amen. It was a stamp of approval. God gives you a ring. Come on, it's his seal. The seal of the Holy Ghost. It's his stamp of approval on your life. And you dip it in the power of the Holy Spirit, put it on anything. It's got to go. Sickness has got to go. Sin has got to go. Death has got to go. Amen. Why? Because you are a son of God. You know who you are. You know what your position is. And you show your token. So when you're sick, you show your token. What is the token? The blood, the Bible said, would be a token. It's a sign that of his life has been applied. It's a sign. Listen, church, the token must be applied. It's not just something that you have. It's not a collector's thing. The blood is not just something we pile up and, and we, we collect in a bucket and say, well, we got it. It's something that's got to be applied. It's an atonement. You got to apply it. You apply it to sin. It's a bleach. Amen. It eradicates sin. I don't care. Hey, if you'll take the Holy Ghost and put it on your pornography. Amen. You won't be bothered with it no more. It'll be dead as midnight. You put the Holy Ghost on your marriage problems, it'll cure your marriage problems. It is a sin cure. But today, you know, we want to preach a powerless religion, an atonement by faith. Listen, we don't have the atonement by faith. We have atonement by blood. Amen. Amen. You say, well, it's got to have faith, yeah. Hyssop is an important part. They would, take the, the, they would take the hyssop, which is common, can be found anywhere. That's faith. Amen. It grows anywhere. You find it anywhere. You pick it up. You can pick it up from a book you read. You can, read, you can pick up faith from an inspirational saying that, that comes. I sat down one, one day, turned on the radio just one minute, and about right back off again. It was to a religious program, and he said something that gave me faith. Amen. Amen. You know, faith comes by hearing and the hearing of the Word of God. No matter what form it comes in, 
or what vessel it comes in. It could be a stranger walks into the bathroom and says something. But it's the word of God. And faith comes. But that's hyssops. And they were to take the hyssop and apply the blood. But without blood, that hyssop ain't no good. Amen. It'll never produce a sign. You can strike the doorpost all you want to. It leaves no sign. Amen. The death angel can still come there. But you say, I got faith. Listen, it takes more than faith. It takes the blood life of Christ. And when you put your faith in the blood of Christ and you apply it, Satan's got to move. The death angel's got to pass. We got plenty of hyssop. We need to use the blood. Now, your, that blood is your proof that the life of Christ has been accepted. That blood is the Holy Ghost. Let me just explain it this way. You see, we do not have a chemistry of the blood. Where that we have a vial, you know, full of the blood of, of Jesus. So we dip a little bit and apply to every person. The chemistry of the blood went back into the ground. You know, today, we can't even find a drop of that blood. The chemistry is gone. But you see, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the chemistry. It would be the life that was in the blood. Now, the, the life that was in the blood raised Jesus up from the grave. The life in the blood raptured him Caused him to ascend in the glory. And on the day of Pentecost, the life, the Holy Spirit of the blood came down on 120 in the upper room. And they were filled with the life of God. That's what we're talking about, the Holy Ghost. The token then of that Holy Spirit is a sign that God has accepted you, adopted you, and placed you with full authority. It would be explained this way. Now we have a token in this day. We have been given a token which is the antitype of that type, which is the blood of the, of the woolly animal, the lamb. And of that natural token, we have been given the supernatural supreme token. This is a supernatural blood. It is more supreme and powerful than the blood of lambs. Let me just say it this way. The blood of bulls and goats would not take away sin. So, you know, it would only roll it ahead. It was like the blood of bulls and goats was like a paint. If I go up here and I paint over this wall here, well, whatever's written there, you know, would, would, still, be, would still be there. It's just covered with paint. Is somebody following me now? So it's still there. So that was the blood of bulls and goats. 
a man would sin, God would cover it up with blood. I can't see it. It's out of my sight. But sin nature was still there. It didn't cure the sin problem. He still had the same desire to sin that he always had and was powerless to, deal, to do anything with it. Amen. It didn't change his, it didn't change his nature. It didn't make him a new creature. It just made him, you know, forgiven. Now, that was the blood of bulls and goats. But the blood of Jesus is not a paint. It's a bleach. And when it is put there upon sin, it annihilates the sin. It's like dropping a, a drop of ink into a tub of bleach. You can't find it anymore. And it changes the chemistry until it goes back to what maybe it's original gases, whatever it came from. Are you with me now? And that's what the blood of Christ does. When it takes your sin, are you with me? It takes your sin and then it so annihilates it and changes it through the work of the mediator. Until your sins wind back on the accuser himself. And it will not you be going to hell for your sin. But he will go to hell with your sin. Hallelujah. Where are my sins? They're on you, devil. Amen. They're gone. They were yours to begin with. They're not mine. I'm a seed of God. But the blood of bulls and goats would only roll it ahead. And they waited in paradise until Christ came. But that day at Calvary. Hallelujah. When that last one of the Old Testament went running into paradise. Oh, I imagine what kind of commotion it must have made. Amen. When he went running into paradise that day. I'm talking about the thief on the cross. You, you say, well, he died before Jesus did, so he wasn't, he wasn't saved. No, he was saved under the blood of bulls and goats and received his atonement there. Are you with me? That's how Jesus forgave sins in, in there before the atonement was shed. His high priest, he accepted the blood of bulls and goats and applied it and said, thy sins are forgiven. Amen. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So all this nonsense of, uh, of atonement just by faith is a lie from the devil. It's, it's, it's sin of unbelief. But nevertheless, that last man come in, the last one saved. The last one. Amen. Here he goes. Oh, my. Amen. Just as he runs through paradise. Amen. Actually, as we had it there, here Jesus dies and then he will die. But anyway, he will run through the gates of paradise. I can imagine him as he runs down the corridors and reach the gates where Abraham is waiting. Isaac is waiting. Jacob is waiting. All the others are waiting. Somebody help me preach. Adam is waiting there. Eve is waiting there. They're all waiting. And there's not been a blood that could allow them into the presence. But that day on Calvary, here comes this man running down the corridors and runs into the gates and say, Brethren, I just saw the bloodshed. I just saw the real lamb. I just saw the blood that could make the vilest sinner clean. 
just saw him crucified. Hallelujah. He's here. He's going to show up any minute. And here in just a moment, here he comes walking into that gate. The mighty conqueror. He had conquered. He had conquered. Oh my. He had conquered sin. He had conquered your sickness. Now he's going to conquer hell for you. Where you don't have to go to hell. Hallelujah. Where you would be a conqueror with him. So, well, I don't believe that. Well, I tell you, you don't believe the Bible. The Bible said he wouldn't preach to the spirits in prison while he was in the grave. Amen. And while he went down there, he could say, but I am the one. I am the one. Abraham would look at him and say, you're the one that met me under the tree that day and gave me a new name. And Sarah knew his name and gave me us a promise of Isaac. Isaac, here's the guy that we were talking about. Yeah, I know I met him too. Jacob, come over here. Yeah, that's that angel I wrestled with all night. That's him. Oh, brothers, Ezekiel, look. Oh, my goodness. The wheel in the middle of the wheel. The mighty God. He said, children, get ready. My blood is still fresh on the cross. And I paid for the sins of the past. That was all just rolled ahead by the blood of bulls and goats. But today I'm here to wipe out every trace of Abraham. Unbelief and Sarah's unbelief. And all the sins of the past. Here I am to redeem man completely and fully. And that day on Calvary, he rose with the Old Testament saints. And he emptied paradise. And they ascended up with him. The Bible said that they ascended with him. And he led captivity captive. And gave gifts unto men. Sent back a ministry to continue his work on the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. And God, his sin, his blood forgives every sin. Every sin. Under the Old Testament... A child who was born illegitimate could not be accepted into the, into the tabernacle, into the congregation of the people. The sin was so great and the blood of bulls and goats could not atone for it. But that day on Calvary, this was not some little woolly lamb. This was the lamb of God. And he wipes out all the sins of the past and becomes your personal savior and your personal God. To give you a revelation that you can stand on that. Amen. That you can be born in the homeland. In the Holy Ghost. As a full-fledged son or daughter of God. And take possession of what belongs to you. Now then you sons of God. It's your hour to rise up. It's your hour to take and arm yourself with that word. It's your hour to claim your loved one. It's your hour to be healed. It's your hour. Hallelujah. It's your hour. It is the day of deliverance. It is the hour of restoration. It's the time for you to come into complete restoration. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet and worship God. Now love him with all your heart. Amen. This is the day. This is the jubilee. This is the hour of freedom. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Lord, we love you today. We love you with all our hearts. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. Amen. We can be born in the homeland. Homeland of the Holy Ghost. Oh, here we are, Lord. Here we are back where we can have exactly what they had in the beginning. Pour it out, Lord. Pour your spirit out on me, Lord. Oh, man, pour out the rain, Lord. Pour out satisfied, thirsty souls today. There are those, Lord, that are questioning, where am I in my journey? Where am I? Am I still, a, am I still on the other side of the river? May they know, Lord. The message is there's something more. Amen. They can come to full term. Am, am I adopted son? They're wondering, they're questioning. They're, 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 they're confused in their mind. What does this mean? Lord, may they know they can come to full term. Lord, we talked about the seed and the shock and the deceiving age and the deceiving time. But Lord, may they know they can be genuine grain of God. Matching the original word, the original seed. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pour your spirit out on me. Amen. And let's just worship God together. Pour your spirit out on me. Shouldn't this be your prayer today? Fall just like the rain. Come on. Saturate. You need to plow some ground. You need to make yourself ready. Amen. Fall afresh. Fill my cup again. Heal my heart. Oh, make me whole. I need you right now. I need something more than psychology. Amen. I need more than human reasoning. I want you, Jesus. Pour your spirit. I need something more than a tongue or a dance that deals with my temper, that deals with my ungodly ways, that deals with my pull in my life to sin. Come, Lord. Heal my cup again. Heal my heart. Yes, Lord. Oh, you're serious. 